and welcome to part one of our conversations from the Analog Spotlight Show, which took place up in Nottingham a couple of weeks ago. Why part one? Well, because there were so many interesting conversations to be had there that there was no way I could squeeze it into one show without that being an incredibly long show. Anyway, enjoy this. The next show will be out very soon and Rachel and Claire will be back with you in the next couple of weeks. Okay, we're here now on the morning of day two, a bright, sunny, cold morning, and I'm sat here in a, a frankly quite frightening room, <laughs> our stair room. It's atmospheric. It is atmospheric, um, and I'm here which with... Which atmosphere? <laughs> yes, which atmosphere, is, is the, but there's no tarps on the floor, so I'm feeling it all right about it. Um, with the wonderful Paul Mackay, uh, who I'm sure everybody knows Paul Mackay from Analog Wonderland, one of the key people behind the analog spotlight. You've had one day of this already. Well, I say one day. You've had, you've had one day in all the preceding days. How are you doing this morning, Paul? I'm good, thank you. A little tired, but um, no, it's been brilliant. Yeah, it's been... Well, we started talking about it pretty much as soon as we'd finished the Worcester one last year. Um, so it's been sort of 18 months almost of, uh, of leading up to this. Um, but it's been brilliant because we've had uh, Alicia's been on board right from the start. Who Alicia from Lensfair, who is in Nottingham. Lensfair is in Nottingham, actually five minute walk from the venue. So she's taking the brunt of sort of the logistics side, and I think the venue has been fantastic. Like having spaces for workshops, having spaces for the talk, like the theatre is just incredible, um, and obviously all the stores as well. So it's come together quite well. But yeah, it's been um, it's been a long long journey to this point. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and this is the thing is that everyone who is been working on the organisation of this yourself and Alicia and Holly and um, uh, who else Hamish, Hamish and Molly and Molly yeah you these are all things you, you're all doing this as well as all the other stuff you normally have to do this is like a side thing that you're trying to squeeze in around the edges it's there's not a team of people who are waking up every morning and going let's get on this so the fact that you've managed to pull all this together um, is one hell of an achievement it, it's not been easy though, has it? Well, no, no. And the um, and the idea is exactly everyone's volunteering their time and energy, and obviously across a year, people have certain things like work or personal stuff that then comes up and means they just miss a few meetings in a row. And that's obviously totally understandable and right. This shouldn't be at the top of anyone's priority list for the whole period. But it does mean that it's just you know, it's one of those things. It just has momentum, ebbs and flows, and then sort of three weeks out, you have that panic of worrying it'll all come together. But I think it has done. I mean. Listening last night in the pub to people talking about day one, um, one of the things that a load of people were raving about, and actually I haven't experienced personally at all, has been the talks. Apparently the talks have been outstanding. Um, because I've been between Silverpan's developing workshop and the Analog Wonderland stall and running around <laughs> with the organising uh, side as well, I haven't been able to dip into any of those yet. So hopefully, this is probably a wishful yeah. thought rather than anything, but I'd love to, to get in and see some of those today because... Um, the breadth of speakers and the the things they've been covering has just been really knockout, and that's really key. I think that's the thing that last time we struggled a little bit with because the talk sort of happened in the break room kitchen space, whereas this is the dedicated theatre just off the cafe um, with uh, a range of speakers. We spent a lot of time making sure we had a good mix through, and that seems to have paid off. Yeah, I didn't get here until the end of play yesterday, but. Even then, when most of the people had gone, the energy and the atmosphere and just the, the general positivity around thing was immense. Like people have clearly been having a great day and just turned up and got exactly what you want from this kind of event. 
to be inspired, to be energised about, oh, this is what the film community can be and all that's going on. It's been fantastic. Um, and I'm excited to actually see today and get a much mm. better experience of what's going on. I mean, I've already wandered around looked at all the stuff <laughs> picked up all the things I want to buy before the end of the day but um, well that's the good thing as well I think because I think traditionally we sort of started with the stalls and the people who are going to sell things just because that's often the biggest logistical thing for people to commit to and spend money on um, but actually when you take a step back that's a very small part of mm. the people's experience and even even the stalls area actually buying stuff yeah you can buy film you can buy cameras you can get things processed you can play with new prototypes there's somebody here who has a, an app especially for film photographers that's all really cool and important for the for the vendors selling but also it's more the conversations like you get to meet like michelle from ilford and have a proper chat you know you might have seen a social post for years and, and now you make that connection andy from kodak was here yesterday uh, led a photo walk. The photo walk did really well. We limited it to 30 places <laughs> and <laughs> 70 to 80 people went on it. <laughs> and I suspect today will be a similar thing. But but again, like, and also probably fewer than 30 photos were taken in total. Mm-hmm. Which, um, But again, that's just sort of the point of like, yeah, you're, you're meeting people, you're chatting, you're making those connections that will then sustain us as a community for the next however long until the next in-person event, which is hopefully the photography show in March. Yeah, yeah. And it's nice to know that that's coming up as well. Mm. And also that you don't have to organise that. Correct and <laughs> correct. <laughs> so let's talk a bit about how Analog Wonderland is thinking, because it's been a long time mm. since we've caught up with you. And there's been a lot has gone on over the last year. Um, it's been another year of growth, another year of expanding what you offer and what you're doing. So talk us through some of the stuff that's been going on. Well, the... Um the, the the big things, I suppose, is obviously we, we still have the biggest focus on selling, sourcing and selling film, um, fresh film at the best possible prices. Um, and then the lab has really come on as well in the last year. Mm-hmm. Like um, uh, the first year and a half is always full of teething troubles and all the various issues. And then um, this last year, though Max has come in and done a cracking job at then taking what Marina had built and then just helping to add and add and add. Um, I think the, the common feedback we get is uh, the quality is exceptional, the turnaround time could be shorter, <laughs> which I think is absolutely fair. And we spent a lot of time trying to fix that this year and, and the turnaround, it didn't come down quite as much as we hoped, but we sort of, me and Max at the moment are talking a lot about how we get that sorted in sort of the traditional quiet period for the next couple of months so that next year we can just be on a short turnaround from from as soon as the summer peak starts and while maintaining the quality. So that's been really good. Um, but then on top, we've um, uh, acquired Silverpan Film Lab um, and then recently partnered with Camera Store on vintage cameras as well. So a couple of extra things just to add into the mix to keep us busy and off the streets. Yeah. So uh, acquiring Silverpan Lab, so we've spoken in the past to Duncan for Silverpan. Um, Silverpan Lab has been an independent lab based out of Bristol um, doing, I, I suppose, more bespoke uh, developing um, for uh, three, four years now? Five years. Five, is it really five years? Well, Silverpan started the same month Analog Wonderland did, five years ago, yeah. five and a half years ago. And so I've known Duncan right from the start because we, we followed the same path of doing it on the side of our main boring jobs, then both jumping ship pretty much at the same time a year on. Um, so our paths have followed quite similar. And also, I mean, he's a lovely guy. I've gone on with him yeah. so well ever since day one. And then I think we've had a very similar approach to business and the film sort of industry, I guess you'd say. Um, So when we started having chats back in Christmas um, about working closer together, and I think Dunk would be the first one to say that he doesn't necessarily enjoy or get on with a lot of the business marketing side of things, but he loves running the lab and the quality office is amazing. Like 
the loyalty people have to Silverpan Film yeah. that is out of this world for a very good reason. Um, and so uh, there are a few different ideas, and then the one that actually sort of made most sense was actually if we brought it under one a sort of business roof from an admin point of view, a marketing point of view, it would help allow us to run a lot of things just essentially while also Duncan still runs the lab, mm-hmm. manages the team. We can then invest back into the team, so he's, he's got a much bigger team now. John is here with me running the developing workshops today. Fantastic level of skill. Um, and the difference there versus sort of our lab or a lot of others is the level of um, customization they offer. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you ordered black and white developing, you can say, yeah, just develop it in whatever you want. Or you can tell the team through the website, just say which chemical you want to use and any adaptions you want to make. And Duncan and his team will do it. And the scanning options, you know, they have a Hasselbad flex type, very affordable prices. So if you want really good scans, then they can do that. I mean, there's no, there's not many commercial labs on a small scale who could offer that kind of thing. Um, so it's just trying to work it through, and it's been obviously easier said than done to sort of combine the operations a little mm-hmm. bit, and it's taking time and bedding in. Um, but uh, you know, we're hoping to to sort of keep that going and just really help the silver pan message reach more people so that, you know, it's not the kind of surface for everyone. A lot of people don't need that level of bespoke. But if you do, and if you sort of got used to a certain service from sort of the mainstream labs um, and you want something a little bit more bespoke or you're doing a project where you just need a little bit more individual care on frames or specific images, then um, Duncan's the man's go-to. Yeah, yeah. And it's great that he's now in a situation where he can focus on doing what he wants to be doing, which is doing a fantastic job developing people's films and working on that sort of things and, and not having to deal with the day-to-day nonsense of running a business, which apparently you seem to be quite good at and enjoy doing. Do you enjoy doing it? <laughs> I enjoy bits of it. <laughs> I enjoy bits of it. But I think as well, it's interesting because you have sort of the, the life cycle of uh, a startup, especially in, a biz- in, a, in an industry like ours, which isn't very big. Like, it's hard to get any kind of scale um, versus if we were selling, I don't know, shampoo or breakfast mm-hmm. cereal, which everyone uses. So um, you can sort of get through a couple of years on adrenaline and late nights and working yeah. weekends. And then at some point that sort of has to end just for the good of mm-hmm. the person. Um, and sometimes, yeah, that, that comes about by joining in with someone else. And I think that's where Duncan's journey has been. But no, I mean, like the more time that Duncan spends just on people's film with people talking about it getting the right product the better because yeah. that's really where he is just exceptional and I just look in awe at people who can do that kind of stuff because as you know my attention to detail it does not allow for a consistent quality of that level and thank god we have people like Duncan in the world yeah absolutely so as you mentioned the other big thing is that you have recently started offering cameras for sale second-hand cameras for sale on the website which you are doing in collaboration with Camera Store out of Finland. Um, people may also know Camera Store. They are the camera rescue guys. This is Yuho and his large team out there. Um, and let's talk about that because this has been one of those things where I know that you've had a bit of pushback because the camera and this is the cameras are Camera Store cameras. They're not the cheapest second-hand cameras on oh, the market. No, no. Um, and so people are going well. Why the people have been to the cupboards, they've got their pitchforks and their torches, and they're like, ah, you're doing it. Talk about, one, why the collaboration with Camera Store, and two, why the cameras from Camera Store aren't cheap cameras. <laughs> Brilliant questions. Yeah, and I mean, um, there have been a couple of pitchforks, and, and I do understand that. We'll come on to that in a minute. But also a load of positivity, because you know, Camera Store have been around for over 10 years. Yeah. Um, they're probably, I mean, I don't, I've not heard of any bigger operation in Europe 
Maybe even I the world. I don't think there's even in the US. I think I don't think there's anyone who matches their scale and turnover with second-hand cameras. So they really are the best, the best at what they do. Um, the partnership came about from two ways. One was I was, um, you know, we always get asked about second-hand cameras, but I am very aware that I don't know enough about them to personally um, to to offer them meaningfully. Mm-hmm. So I could buy stuff from eBay and give them a wash or whatever you do. You wash them? You rinse them in the shower, no, presumably. Literally, you just put them in the shower, hose dishwasher. them down. <laughs> <laughs> Put them in the dishwasher. Um, give them to a light seal or something. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I, know, I know that there's, there's basic things you can do, but, but jokes aside, we don't, I don't have the expertise, and no one in my team has the expertise to do that. So if we wanted to do it, we wanted to do it in partnership with someone. And cameras still have the, the, the Brexit problem. They used to sell quite a lot of cameras to the UK, and then since Brexit... And all of the barriers that come down with that, the time, the cost, the uh, unexpected customs, all of that kind of stuff, it's really died. So it's a random Facebook chat with Yuho that just escalated, um, as they do. And so what we now do is we source them directly, we sort out the customs, we sort out all the import stuff, um, and absorb that into the cost of the business, and then can offer them at uh, comparable prices to buying them directly from camera store, but obviously from within the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, with the fast free shipping and all of that kind of stuff, so people can just get them get them uh, very very quickly. Now, then, being camera store cameras, I think it's funny because when we announced this, people who have used camera store before, especially before Brexit, where it's more common, overwhelmingly positive. Like they have so much love for those guys and what they do. But what they do is certifiably insane. Mm-hmm. Like, and I think where there's then been pushback. I mean, I take it upon myself that I just haven't communicated this this well enough um a camera doesn't pass their quality checks unless it's basically within the um within the the error margin that the manufacturers had for their original factory lines so what you're saying is that if it wouldn't have got one of those little oval gold stickers on it when it left the factory yeah in 1979 (laughs) it ain't coming out of them exactly and they'll and they'll then make notes they they will still sell them if there's small deviations and make notes on that, and you can see that on the website, it'll say things like at shutter speeds faster than one 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 thousandth, then it'll overexpose by 0.5 stops, but that's okay kind of mm. thing. But that's the level of detail they've gone to. Um, and where they then clean and check and repair, you know, their repair team, um, I think they do a six-month internship before they're accepted onto the program, most of whom don't make it onto that program. At that point, they're allowed to touch one type of machine, like a Nikon SLR maybe, or an Olympus OM series, but not both. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and after a couple of years, they can graduate onto a second model. Like it's the, the amount of training and technical ability that goes into these things is nuts, and they spend six to eight hours minimum on any camera before it's sold. So it's very easy to then go, well, how much do you think you'd pay somebody of that skill, six to eight hours of work? It's very easy to work out yeah. where that comes from. Um, but of course, the difference is not everyone knows or cares or wants that level. Yeah. Um, so it's very much a choice. And there are other businesses, brilliant businesses. I mean, my personal favorite is always West Yorkshire Camera in the UK. Now, I don't know at what level they go to. Um, I, I wouldn't want to talk to that. I think Mike's around, actually, today. You might be able to interview him. But there are other people who don't get a team of uh, Finnish professionals um, who have been trained <laughs> yeah. by like a, to work for eight hours on a Pentax. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> before they sell it. And that's also okay. Um, so there are people who will want that level of reassurance and there are people who are happy. Also, if you're happy tinkering around with it yourself, like mm. happy days, you don't need to spend that amount of money. Um, so, so just to confirm, people 
they don't have to buy these cameras from you. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Correct. I will not go into your house and take your money. <laughs> Correct. It will be your choice. Yeah. Um, but it has to be an informed choice. And again, I go back to that's where I think I've not done necessarily a great job yet of where people don't know what camera store are about and they just look at the headline price. And also, let's be clear, there are also people we know in the UK who charge those prices yeah. and have not spent six to eight hours uh, they, <laughs> of quality work. They don't even have a finished person. <laughs> not even one finished person. Not even one. So I, I am also very aware that the community has been stung and there are people out there looking to make a lot of money or, or do crazy markups on things. That isn't what this is. Like the margin that I make on these cameras is the very small bulk discount that Yuho gave me mm-hmm. to ship a load in at once and manage all the customs. Um, they're not making a lot of money on it because they're spending all their money on their technical team getting these cameras right. Um, but of course, I am aware also adds up to a large amount. So it's it was never designed to be something for you know for everyone. We're not trying to push this on everyone. We also sell fifty pounds uh, plastic point and shoot cameras if you want an entry level, or recommend people like West Yorkshire Cameras who have a much bigger range as well. It's not just about price; it's also the offering that you have and accessories. We're not trying to be all cameras, all accessories at a really you know low price. We're just trying to help um, uh, for people who need that level, and also from camera stores' point of view, you know. They used to sell a lot of cameras before Brexit into the UK. That killed it. Yeah. And they're really anxious for the people who do know and want that level of service, want that level of reassurance. They can get it from a UK company and it'll come next day and they won't get a surprise tax bill th- through the post. Yeah. And for me, like that is a large, a really big part of it is that for somebody like myself and for probably a lot of the people who are listening to this, listening to an analog photography podcast who already have cameras, who are quite comfortable with cameras, mm. who are probably quite comfortable with buying stuff on eBay, who have maybe bought cameras that don't work and kind of realize, oh, you know, this is a bit of the game, but whatever. Yeah, this isn't necessarily for you. But let's say you want to buy a camera for somebody who's just getting in to photography or you want to buy something and you don't have these this level of comfort that you can just spend money and oh well if maybe it will work maybe it doesn't like there's a level of reassurance here there's a level of quality and testing that's gone in and yeah that that <laughs> that requires people time, yeah. and time and therefore money um so yes these these aren't for everybody if, i mean as i i recently the most recent camera i bought the most recent camera i bought was um uh, a bronica s2 and i bought that for a you know, relatively a very cheap price, but I bought it from an auction house and it's mostly still working and I'm very gentle with it and hopefully it'll keep working. But I knew that I was rolling the dice on that. So far, I've been lucky. It could go bang any day. It could, <laughs> it could have gone bang before I picked it up from the auction and I've had no comeback because I bought it from an auction house. But you, you kind of know the well, risk. Um, Nico from Nico's photography show who went over to work there a couple of years ago he was telling me that uh, he, he turned up quite smug because he, he looks after his cameras, he buys them from reputable people, he can do basic repairs. And he turned up, and his, his thing was he, he turned up thinking his cameras worked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then the guys tested them. And the thing is, it's, again, it's, it's a, what level do you care? Mm-hmm. You may never shoot above a certain speed and therefore not realise that your camera actually can't... Like, then overexposed by two stops after a certain point or something you may not realise that the second shutter curtain comes through at a different speed than the first, and that's why your images will look a certain way. Or you might like it and just mm-hmm. like, that's part of the character of that camera. We all have Holgers who have their own unique characteristics that we love. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so there's a, an element of that as well. So 
uh, it, it's like anything, isn't it? You know, you buy second-hand cars or motorbikes. I know you're into mm-hmm. biking, and and you know that there are certain certain probably cars or models that you would want to take a risk on, or are happy to take a risk on, and ones that you don't. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just it's just adding that option in. So as I say, like we're not trying to take over the camera market or anything. There are some fantastic people out there doing brilliant work. Mm-hmm. This is just offering the camera store uh, option. I think back to the UK after Brexit. Made yeah, it very very difficult for the last couple of years. Yeah, and just to wrap up then, Paul, because it's always a good question to ask you about, especially after the last couple of years. What's the film supply? The, you know, your main bread and butter business. How are things looking in that? How how is film availability, especially colour film, which has been the big problem? How is all that looking? It's it's been better than it was last year, but last year was, in fairness, awful. <laughs> Do you have colour film? Um, I can sell you XP2 and a pack of colouring pens. <laughs> That's the closest you can get. <laughs> it's creative. Don't worry about it. Have you heard about trichromes? <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so it's a lot better than that. I mean, it's still not great in that, you know, Colour Plus, we've had two bundles this year. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I don't think I've had gold, Ultramax and Portrait in all at the same time. Mm-hmm necessarily or maybe I've had the three packs but not the singles or 24 exposures not the 36s and it's that kind of thing so the good thing is like gen- most days this year we've had at least some colour film to offer people in every format it may not be the first choice but at least your second and third are probably available Yeah. Um, whereas last year you were down to option 11, 12, 13 maybe if you were lucky um, which is really good and what I'm really hoping for then is the knock on effects obviously Kodak impacted so many other people like Double Film and Revlog and Yodi yeah. and all these other people who used theirs as a base product and that hasn't quite come back yet but I'm really hoping that if we continue with this level at the start it just then has a positive impact around around the rest of it and then others as well um, you know Ilford's been reliable throughout that should continue um, and some of the smaller guys as well it's um, it's been made more difficult the last couple of years with all of the shipping costs and everyone had supply issues and it's but generally speaking, it seems to be trending in the right direction. So I definitely feel a lot better about that side of life than I did 12 months ago. That's good. That's good. Well, I need to let you get on because we're going to be opening the doors here soon and the crowds will be pouring Bain in. Paying for blood. Paying for blood. And so. <laughs> your blood, mostly. <laughs> <laughs> Bring your pitchforks, everyone. <laughs> you should have brought Cindy still here. Then they could at least have taken oh some of the God. heat as well. <laughs> Don't want to get into that. <laughs> <laughs> Bring your pitchforks, everyone. <laughs> Paul, thank you so much. Always a treat talking to you. Okay, I'm back on the show floor now. Show floor? I don't know. What do, I mean, it's a floor. There's a show going on here. I don't know. Anyway, I'm, I am at the This Is How I Roll stand. So this is a new one for this year for me. I don't think a new one this year for This Is How I Roll. I'm here with Peter from This Is How I Roll. Peter, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Doing well today. So it's all, yeah, nice cold day, but good. It is a cold day. But it's not too bad in here. All of the mass presses of cuddles are warming up quite nicely. So... This is a new company that you started saying back in February. What is This Is How I Roll? Uh, so yeah, I started in February. This Is How I Roll is a Kodak motion picture film re-spooled into 35mm cans, uh, 36 exposures um, per roll. Um, it's just a, a way to allow people to shoot what I think is a really nice cinematic movie films um, and just, yeah, a really lovely set of film stocks that I want everyone to be able to shoot. Yeah, they are. I mean, the, the current motion picture films, they've got beautiful colours in a way that you... It's different. They give a different look. So um, what range of films are you doing through this? 
Um, so at the moment I've been offering uh, 50D, the 250D, 500T, 200T, uh, and those are the colour ones. Then uh, I also do the double X, uh, black and white, and I recently introduced Ektachrome, the slide film as well, um, only back in April sort of time. Awesome. Uh, and are you hand rolling all of this stuff? Yes, so I hand roll all of them myself. I've got a 400 foot bolt loader, uh, so I drop in a 400 foot roll and then spend two hours uh, rolling them into canisters myself. And I just want to say, for people listening to this, you go, huh, okay, as somebody who did this with one bulk, bulk roll once, oof! <laughs> this is not fun. It's just not fun sitting in the dark browse. Um, why are you doing this? Um, the whole reason I started this was uh, the film prices and the, the lack of availability of colour film was obviously getting to a lot of photographers and I just wanted it to be that colour film is in the hands of the people who want it the most at a reasonable price that everyone likes to, that li well, yeah, that people like the price um, and so I want people to be able to shoot a range of films that I fell in love with, started shooting 16mm and Super 8 um, and started falling in love with it even more. So. I just wanted people to be able to have an opportunity to shoot it. Yeah. So obviously there's kind of two hurdles in front of shooting Cinefilm. One is the fact that when you buy it, it's on a bulk roll. And so, and that is a, I mean, it's not an insurmountable hassle, but it is a hassle. And speaking of somebody who bought 250 feet of 200T about 200 years ago, and uh, haven't quite got through all of that yet, I think I've definitely shot at least three feet of it um, it can be you can end up with it sitting around for a while so having that side of it taken away is great and being able to just buy it as a roll you can put straight in your camera is hugely valuable the other thing is of course it's remjet coated so the stuff that you're selling is still the remjet coated stuff you're not removing the remjet on the film no no I'm not removing the remjet um Personal preference, I don't really like the, the halations that you get from the Remjet removed films. Yeah. Um, and I, I really like the clean look with the, hala uh, with the Remjet layer there. Um, and it just makes it easier. And I've built up a, a range of uh, communication with labs to start offering ECN2 film, going through professional ECN2 chemicals, so you get the most cinematic look um, possible. Yeah, cause, I mean, I think, and that's been the big change over from the last few years is that more and more labs now are geared up to deal with remjet coated ECN2 films. Whereas it feels like five years ago that was very, very niche and you couldn't just send this film away to get developed. Whereas now, not only will they deal with the remjet, but they will develop it in, as you said, the ECN2 chemicals, which are the right films for that thing. Yeah, so yeah, quite a few labs started popping up doing it recently when people were moving over to Vision 3 as a result of normal colour film not being available. Um, and then I've, I've worked personally with a couple of labs to help them get contacts with the people who do have ECN2 chemicals um, available. And in the future, I'd like to be able to do, offer that myself and scanning services. Um, and that's a pipe dream at the moment. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just being able to get it in the proper, make it as convenient as possible um, is what, what I'm aiming for. Yeah. And for people who are already perhaps developing colour film at home, you can, ECN2, and I think you were telling me that you have recorded a podcast with Mandy Left, which will be going out soon on the Sunny 16 Presents film. But you can do ECN2 at home as well, right? Yeah, yeah I have a couple of friends who sh uh, have shot film and then developed it themselves. Uh, you can, there's quite a lot of few recipes online for remjet removers, uh, including uh, with baking soda um, and other chemicals. Um, and then there are a few pre-made kits from a couple of companies uh, like Bellini um, and QWD um, that make it easy to develop at home. 
And what's the difference between because this city film, as long as you as long as you deal with the Remjet, that's important. Do, do not send Remjet coated film to a lab that doesn't know it's got Remjet on. That will be bad for everyone concerned. Don't ever do that. But what will what difference will people see between developing a cine film in ECN2 versus C41? Because you can use either, but if you're in if you're developing C41, you are technically cross-processing it. So what differences can people expect to see from the images? So the, the, it comes down to kind of the look you like. I've seen the when it's cross-processed, some of the other colours um, pop a little bit more than others in ECN2. So when it's developed in ECN2, reds really do stand out a little bit more. Um, it's more of a natural kind of look. You kind of what you'd see in a Hollywood movie is what happens when you see it in ECN2. Um, if people saw Oppenheimer recently, that would have been developed in ECN2 film most likely, and that's the kind of look you would have got. And it allows for more easier latitude with the colour grading in post. With C41, it comes out. It comes out quite nice. I still like the look of it, cross-processing C41, but I think it's not as easy to work with if you do a like if you like scanning it yourself um, and kind of editing around with it. Yeah. And as you said, you are going to get because the main the, the main supplier that everybody knows of um, re-spool film is Cine Still, who the big difference with them is that they are removing the rem. And you are getting a different look. And it, it's a distinctive look. It's the Cine Still look. It's it's what we use for taking pictures of gas stations at night. Um, but using it with the rem, you are going to get again a different look. And it's just it's what you like. It's worth looking into because you you might think, oh no, I've seen Cine Film. I've seen Cine Still. It's not for me. But you absolutely should go back and check because it, it has a very different look, doesn't it? Exactly. I, I'm like, I've, I've shot Cine Still myself before, and, I, and I've seen the Halations. And then when I got into Kodak Vision Free Film, and I saw that. The film is exactly how it looked on the night. There was no extra glow to the image. Um, I've taken photos of neon signs and the, the words are exactly correct. You don't see any white glow that's overshadowed the words. And that's what I wanted from it. And so it's, it's, it's a good option to have if you really want to see what you were looking at on the night come out on picture. Um, and as I said, they're a versatile film. I have a friend who shoots the 500T at concerts at 3200 ISO, um, and it comes out beautiful. And it is a really good market for that in people wanting really low light color film. Uh, yeah, color film. That's awesome. Where should people go to see your website or your Instagram? But most, where should people go to buy your film? So at the moment, I'm on Etsy um, under This Is How I Roll Film. Um, I also got my Instagram is this is how I roll. Um, I'm hoping in the new year to come over onto a website and have a full-fledged website. Um, at the moment, it's on Etsy, um, and if you place an order, you get 10% off uh, developing with the FilmSafe uh, for their ECN2 developing at the moment. That's fantastic, Peter. Thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you very much. One of the big mysteries in the run-up to the Analog Spotlight was, of course. What is Simon Forster's platypus? <laughs> and why is Simon Forster's platypus? I'm here now with Simon Forster to discuss the platypus. Simon, how are you, mate? I'm very well, very well. It's great to see you that you're back as a fully-fledged member of the Sun <laughs> 16 podcast team. Well done. It's great to have you back. <laughs> I mean, I'm absolutely not. I'm just Chief Dog's body now, but, um, but that's fine. This is where I should be. 
demoted. That's fine. That's fine. Um, Simon, just because we throw the names out there, Forced Photographic. Um, Forced UK or Simon Forster Photographic. So, oh, okay. There you go. You're never going to get it right. No, well, make yeah. it simpler. Um, for years now, you've been making, especially lens caps, body caps, and then also um, butter grips and stuff like this as well, and expanding the range. Uh, and this is a very recent thing. It's only in the last, what, three, three, three months? Three, three weeks. Three weeks. Okay, yeah. very recent. Yeah. You came up with the idea of the platypus. So... Yeah. What is the platypus? Well, I think the first and most important thing is what is the plural of platypus? Uh, because we have, a, we have some of them here. And I found out, and it's platypuses. <laughs> platypuses, uh, okay, and, good. Uh, and secondly, if you want to know what the collective noun is, Hamish, Hamish Gill has told me, I don't know if he's winding me up, I really don't, but he's told me it's a paddle, uh, a paddle of platypuses. I'm prepared to believe it. I think Hamish is a noted authority on platypuses, so... <laughs> Yeah, apparently platypie is also acceptable, but um, yeah, platypus is, is the way it's going to go. Okay. So what we have, it's a, it's a holder uh, for wet 4x5 film. When it's come out of your tank, whatever method you've used to um, develop your 4x5, 4x5 sheets, um, there's diff- different ways of actually drying them. You can hang them up, and sometimes you can get, they can get pinched in the corners mm-hmm. and, yep. and things like that. that. Um, and there are drying racks out there, mm-hmm. um, and they usually involve you dropping the, um, the film vertically into it via some slots and then waiting for it to dry. Uh, the issue with that is you end up with a pool of water along the bottom edge of the film, and that takes an eternity to dry, mm-hmm. and it's really, really frustrating. So I wanted to make a, a film holder, a sheet film holder, that would dry diagonally, so at 45 degrees, so everything dries to a point. The problem is if you actually make uh, a holder that just holds them at 45 degrees, they're quite unstable, and uh, it's going to be very easy when you're loading them to get one sheet of wet film rubbing against the next, and uh, it just ends up with a nightmare. Um, so I went to bed one night thinking, okay, how do I deal with this? Well, so we had a, a principle of what I wanted to do, but I couldn't make it work. And I woke up and they realized, well, you make something that you load vertically and then you tip it over. And there's going to be a sound effect now because we're going to just do that now. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Modern technology. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, just, just for the, the, the listeners here, um, uh, Graham has dragged me off the, off the floor of the analog spotlight to come into a... Into a a room. It's where, the kill room, yes. as I like to call it. Yeah, and uh, and he, he was like surprised why I was actually bringing my platypuses with us um, to do a, to do an audio thing, and uh, and and I said, well, I needed to have the sound effect and your reaction of when I actually <laughs> did it, and that's what we got. So thank you very much, there. You're welcome. That's about main what I'm here for is my reactions to things: <laughs> shock, horror, outrage, you name it. So uh, it's, it went on sale yesterday, uh, Midland Analog, Analog Spotlight. Uh, I still haven't actually put any proper photographs out in the public for it mm-hmm. yet, which I just haven't had the time. Um, but it's been incredibly well received. Um, I've sold six of them yesterday, which, you know, in a, an event that isn't specifically a large format photographer's event, I'm absolutely blown away by it. And the, the reaction of people has been fantastic. Um, I've made two versions, one that holds four sheets, uh, for those people who are using like a steam and press or a, a, a modified uh, Patterson Orbital uh, develop, paper developer. Uh, and I've also got a six one as well, so I've got a combi plan, mm-hmm. uh, which, which takes six. So uh, they're the two sizes that I've made. Um, and the name, we need, to, we need to mention the name because uh, I was going to do a video for it. 
and I started talking about what it what it is. Hi, you know, so hi, I'm Simon Forster from Forster Photographic, or all that kind of stuff. You may, or, or you, whatever you, yeah, call the you may know me from certain <laughs> lens caps, such as, um, and uh, and. I realised that I was going to say it's a four by five til- tilting drying rack, and I was thinking, oh my word, I can't see that. And uh, I was at the darkroom club at uh, Six Towns Darkroom Club at Stoke on Trent, and uh, Paul Bullock was there, and he says, you just need to call it a name and then describe what it does. But you'll just you'll, the name of the object is not what it does; it's what it is. And uh, he looked at it, and he, he noticed it's got like a, a sort of paddle bill at the back, and and it looks a bit slightly odd. Uh, but that's the thing we haven't really talked about. And he goes, it's a platypus. Is it, is it because, is it, is it, it's got the little paddly thing at the back, but also it's got, it's got this little tooth, which is the thing you tilt it onto, like a platypus has a venomous tooth. Platypus knowledge. It's pla- you're going to learn so much about platypuses on this podcast, <laughs> which is what you're tuning in for. I wonder if that's what it was that inspired him. You've got this little toothy bit here, like the venomous tooth of a platypus. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we've, we've not actually described... I mean, I don't think we've actually helped anybody uh, on this podcast as to what this thing actually looks like, and it's quite difficult to explain, I think. It is. So people should go to your Instagram page. Is that the best place to go to to look at pictures um, when they're on there? Yeah, or actually, or better still, my, web, my website, right. and and, uh, website, which is simonforsterphotographic.co.uk, and... Just search platypus. I haven't had a chance to actually put a platypus section on there. So just there's a search bar. Just type in platypus, and you will see it, and immediately it'll become very apparent what it is and what it does. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of these things where it's an incredibly simple solution, a simple, elegant solution that you kind of go, huh? Oh yeah, that that just fixes a problem. I, I currently hang my four by five legs up to dry. I don't have a film holder, and as you said, you end up. I end up with just marks in the corner from where they're clipped in, um, which is, you know, it's, they're big negatives. You can usually go, well, that's fine, I can get away with that bit of the corner, but it's not ideal. Um, and most of the stands that I've seen, they're sitting flat, and yes, you then, because of just surface tension, you just end up with this rill of water at the bottom. And this is just, it solves that problem, cheaply, effectively, space efficiently. And also, I mean, you've got them here in black, but you've also got it in pro, pro orange. orange. Yes. <laughs> And pro orange is an extra two pounds. <laughs> I mean, but I'm guessing it, it's, uh, it goes fast. <laughs> no, it's just more pro. It's just more pro, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, go to the website. And whilst you're on the website, look at all the other stuff that Simon's making. Just stuff to bling up your camera. You can get some funky lens caps. You can get the butter grips for a huge range of cameras now that you're making. So these are the butter grips as designed by Ethan Moses. And you're now um, the UK supplier of those. Yeah, I'm, I'm licensed to sell the majority of camera dactyls item in the, items in the UK. So there's the butter grips, there's the butter boxes. Um, in particular, I do, the, I do two versions of a 120 butter box. Uh, one is just called 120 butter box, and Ethan also made one, the 120 millimeter uh, butter <laughs> box, um, just, just, to, uh, just to wind people up. Although, interestingly enough, it is 120 millimeters long. So, <laughs> so it's right, it's right, however way you look at it, take your pick. That's awesome. And anything else that people should be looking at on their site? I'm, I'm sure I've forgotten things. What else is there on your website? Oh, there's, there's, there's just loads. The, the, whole, the whole point of the site is that I supply lens caps, body caps, um, for lenses that are difficult to find caps for. Mm-hmm. You know, I started off with Exacta, but now you can buy a, a cap for a, um, a VT version of a 
DKL uh, camera. I think somebody from Australia, I can't, sorry, I can't remember his name, he may even be a listener, uh, he sent me the camera so I can actually make the lens caps for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he might be the only customer I've ever had for them. But, you know, I, I will make um, caps for just about anything. Um, yeah. And uh, if anybody's got something they, they, they need something making for, then, you know, it's worth getting in touch. There's a contact form on the website. If I can make it, and if it's sensible to make it, I'll give it a go. And uh, so just get in touch with me. Yeah, Simon has made for me in the past lens caps for my Jalubitel. Um, also made a lens cap recently for a um, massive, slightly weird, large format lens that I had. And again, in pro orange. So mm. it's great stuff. Uh, Simon, good luck today with the rest of the show. I think the platypus is awesome. I've, I think anybody who is shooting large format who hasn't already got this kind of tilted drawing solution just go and look at it because, like I said, these are, it's an inexpensive way to do a better job. You're going to the trouble of shooting these great big negatives. Dry them properly. Like it's, it's a no-brainer, really. I think it's awesome. All right, catch you later, Si. Thank you. It wouldn't be an analog photography get-together if we didn't have the fine folks from Ilford here, um, for the finest, because we've got Michelle. Obviously, Michelle's here. Of and Neil, Neil, they've let you out of the lab as well. What's we going on? Have at last. We have at last. It's very yeah. good to see you because we haven't spoken to you since we did the photography tour, since the tour of Ilford, which was four years ago, I think. I think it might have even been five. It was pre-COVID, wasn't it? It was, yeah. We've never been invited back again. It's weird. Well, Rachel has. It's just me. That's yeah, Rachel's been invited back several times, Graham. <laughs> so, just God saying. Damn it. <laughs> I think it was due to turn up at the photography photography show but then we had covid so we kind of down downsized what we were doing there so yeah um i've not been out for a while and then i was on holiday at the last time i was due to go out to hamburg and that didn't happen either so so is this the first of these sort of analog spotlight events that you've actually been to then yes yeah i didn't go to the there was one last year wasn't there which is just a one-day event yeah didn't attend that one but principle. We, since then, yeah. we've got a, yeah, we've got a new website with the lab, and I thought we'd just come and do some promotion in the lab as well. So it's a good opportunity. And actually, it's, it's gone down well. I've been doing some talks as well. Did a talk on um, converting a, actually an outbuilding or a shed into a dark room. I thought, is this a bit silly? But actually, I've had loads of questions about it. People saying, hey, I'd never thought about going to the caravans shop for my water containers mm-hmm. and all that kind of thing. Was trying to, what I was trying to get across to people is this, you can just get most of this stuff just off the shelf. There's, there's snorkel vents that act as light traps and things like that. You can just buy them from Tool Station for like eight quid, you know. Um, a so, vent in a dark room? Oh, I like yeah, that yeah. idea. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot, of, a lot of this stuff is available yeah. at low cost. And, uh, you know, people shouldn't be frightened of experimenting, really. That's what I was trying to say couldn't agree more I mean you, you you look at like oh darkroom layouts in books and you can go well, I, I can't do that but yeah I mean speaking as a, a big fan of Heath Robinson you just you can bodge your way through a great deal can't you and it just works is just fine your philosophy yeah, yeah. for life yes it is bodge it, your way through bodge your way through it it's, yeah. it's a good way because um yeah. obviously Kentmere film Elfa film like we all know you guys were selling film and paper and chemicals but the lab side of things doesn't get talked about that much. I think probably because Michelle uh, and Hannah just don't want to, you know, 
promote your stuff. Yeah, no, we, don't, we, just, we don't get on, we don't talk. Yeah. So they're, they're like the dirty secret in the basement, but they're yeah. not really. But no, it, you know, it's, we've talked about it before, it's to do with the branding. So obviously, because we don't own the Ilford brand, we yeah. license it for black and white. Yeah. So we can use it for Kentmere, we can use it for black and white Ilford for dark room. But because the lab, because they're a multifunction lab, they do colour as well. <gasps> I know, it's that, the dreaded C word. Yeah. But because they do <laughs> the colour, they think from film, even though they develop film, yeah, the other dreaded C word. <laughs> I don't know any other spray. I don't know what you mean. Um, yeah, not that one. No, no, that's not a curl. That's a, that's a, that's a kicking curl, not a curling curl. Oh, that's what my emails yeah, haven't been going through. That's a, no, that's not the only reason. <laughs> I'm sure you're blacklisted there too. But yeah, so we can do stuff. We can do anything black and white on the Ilford because the lab does colour and they do digital. They can print from digital files. Yeah. We can't put them under the Ilford name. So that's why they're on the Harmon Lab name. And that's why even here today, we're on two, even though we're, we're right next to each other, Ilford faces one way, the lab faces the other way. And it's, <sighs> it's crazy because they're on the same side. Do you not have any social media for the lab or anything? Uh, well, we're, we're starting, to, we're looking at that. It seems tomorrow. like it'd be a good idea. Yeah, yeah. Maybe some yeah. sort of... At Harmon Photo. At ha that, that's ingenious, at Harmon Photo. That seems like a thing. You should get that before somebody yeah, else snaps it up. To be honest, if you followed it, Graham, you might find that there's actually people on those. They're on like, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Okay. If you had a look at Harmon Photo, we okay. will be using it for the lab and we'll for things that we can't put on the other thing in future. Okay, I, I'm going you know, to follow at Harmon Lab. At Harmon Photo. At Harmon Photo, whoops. At Harmon, <laughs> listen. I'm not here to get names, but at Harmon Photo. Yep. Yeah. You're obviously not listening to Michelle, and she's going to get really cross with you. He never listens to me. I try. It sounds like the kind of feed that would have something interesting on it to go I and see. I think it's an interesting feed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. At the moment, definitely. it's not. But in future, you know, we can definitely use it for the lab, and we can use it for all of their things. And yeah. yeah. So, yeah, at Harmon Photo. At Harmon Photo. Instagram and Facebook. Okay, cool. That sounds good. <laughs> How is the lab doing in general? Yeah, yeah, good. How are all the lovely ladies yeah, you've got yeah. there working for you? So, one of the things that we needed to address was put a new website we've had the the old website that was a bespoke website really was becoming clunky. outdated clunky not being indexed properly by google so we put a new shopify mm -hmm. site up there everything every service that we offer now you can order online whereas before you were filling in you know you're printing manual order forms off mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff it's pretty clunky but now it's 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 fully integrated we've got our own payment system we've got integration with Royal Mail shipping so you get fully tracked you get you get tracking when your prints are on the way back to you and things like that so it's uh, much much better and now we're starting to see Google indexing the site properly with things like uh, we offer half frame printing mm -hmm. if you search for half frame we're right at the top it's great we're getting I mean, I know half frame's a bit niche, but actually, we're getting quite a lot of half frame films in. It's like, where are all these coming from? Yeah. You, know? you have well, the advantage as well, don't you, that you can sell. So, whereas we can't mention the lab on Ilford Photo, the lab can sell Ilford Photo films. So, they sell yeah. some of the films on there. So, if people develop and want a new Ilford yeah. film, they can get that from the same yeah, yeah. time as well. So, so, we're selling films, we're selling cameras as well, and we sell sheet film boxes so people people send us sheet film in to develop mm -hmm. quite often they don't have anything to send it yeah. to. so we actually sell a, um, a box a, you know a, a three layer box and a bag so that people can send their films okay. into us but actually I think people have cottoned on to this and thought mm, actually they'll be quite handy for storing my sheet film yeah. negatives so we seem to be selling a surprising amount of boxes and bags 
I mean, sure. It's, uh, it's kind of uh, a bit, a little bit unusual, but you know, like like twenty or thirty at a time, thinking, well, who's buying these things? So. Yeah. But yeah, so so having that uh, shop style site yeah. is allowing us to do a lot more with the lab, and we've got we've got plans yeah to to expand that and grow it, and uh, that's that's what I'm going to do now over the coming months and years I suppose months and years oh, wow yeah, yeah. That, that was said with almost a sad inevitability was it I guess that's the rest of my life yeah. <laughs> Neil's but it was Neil's birthday yesterday that's <laughs> worth mentioning and he spent it at the analog spotlight that's commitment yeah. that is great that is commitment yeah there were, and nobody bought him a cake I was, well, to be honest you got to spend it with me bonus that's true <laughs> that's yeah. true yeah. yeah and I did have a nice steak you did have a nice eventually when you managed to find somebody well, to get a nice yeah. yeah it was a late yeah. one but just yeah. about hear ourselves think in the restaurant you yeah. Know. yeah turns out Saturday night in Nottingham quite busy the place to be and more drunk people than I've ever seen anywhere in my whole life really ever. and more drunk oh more drunk than I've ever seen anywhere yeah. <laughs> it was a whole new level we, we went to we uh, were in the lift when we arrived at the hotel and somebody else got in the lift and they were just completely inebriated and they were just like just talking you know complete crap it yeah. was uh, it was hilarious. That was at six o'clock. It only got worse. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even. It, he literally got in the lift, kind of staggered against the side. To dodge people walking along the streets, I'm weren't so, you? And then yeah. we, some. It was uh, eye-opening, anyway. Some it random was woman came up to us in the middle of the street. I don't actually know what she was talking about, but she was trying to get some point across to us, and that was kind of very bizarre. You need to listen to women, Neil. Have you not been paying any attention to the discourse over the last year? I do have that problem. My wife keeps reminding me of that. Yeah. Yeah. So, lab aside, how's the rest of business going? How's the film scene? I mean, it's what, a year now since Kentmere 120? Yeah, it's going really, really well. I mean, we've been crazy work you know what we're like we're always mad mad busy yeah and it's what's been really nice this weekend is actually people coming along listening to the talks trying some of the different films so they're talking about sfx they're talking about ortho um loads of people saying oh, i only shoot kentmere 120 when are you doing shoot film when are you doing this mm-hmm. and there's this like real hunger for new products out there yeah so they want other sheet films they want other formats of black and white film they want other darkroom papers people are greedy aren't they they are these you know but for us that works really well i yeah. mean we said it before if you saw our list of what we'd like to have yeah. products a holiday yeah well yeah <laughs> but even product wise i mean we have like a wish list of yeah of a huge wish list what's feasible on that list is totally yeah. different and what R&D have got time to work on again it shortens and shortens but yeah, yeah we're not planning on stopping developing on films papers and things like that and you know hopefully over the next couple of years you'll see more and more formats and more things come out from us so yeah well that's we're good still, I mean what have we got XP2 on sheet film Hanef on sheet film maybe <laughs> am I allowed to say that please <laughs> you, you mean we've got them on the list, Neil? They're We're not list. promising anything, We're have Neil. Serious words with our R&D colleagues. Come on yes. now. Yes, but they're the two. I mean, those are the two that we get asked for all the time, okay. along with the Kentmere yeah. sheet films. Yeah. And they are. They're on the list with 20 or 30 others. The ones we've looked at, and we know that if yeah. we could do, we could do them, then they'd yeah. be really really popular yeah. no, so just no to confirm yeah just to confirm <laughs> these are things that are very much on the discussion board not in the coming soon from no. <laughs> well, they're not going to happen this year look, yeah the, the 
it's re- what might what, what, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what might seem relatively straightforward to you yeah. is perhaps more complicated. And the reason it's more complicated is because these are going to be lower volume than our core products. This is Neil's technical head as well. Yeah. How do you how do you that. produce that cost effectively? You know, when yeah. normally we might coat a kilometer of this this thing. So we want to be at a tag on a small, you know, a few hundred meters of coating. Yeah. Maybe how do you do that cost effectively? So if you're coating XB2, can we just switch to sheet film? Not that easily, because yeah. then you've got to change the gap on the coating head and things like that. So there's some challenges, yeah. but we know that people would really like to yeah. see those products. So we'll, that's what we're looking at. Yeah, that's good. Definitely discussion. It's a de- definite discussion. The look, if our listeners, if you, can see the, if you can see the look on Michelle's face, just, just. But that said, giving away too many secrets. It is a year since 120 Kemir came out. I mean, have we got anything to look forward to in the near future? Yeah, Christmas is coming. At Harmon Photo. You didn't say that. Yeah, all sorts. At Harmon Photo? Yeah. There's At all Harman sorts Photo. happening. I mean, there's all sorts happening. Graham, have you ever known us not be busy? No, that's true. And that's I mean, true. the next the next few months in the run up to the end of the year, yeah, there's lots of exciting things um, going on internally, externally. You might start seeing some of those things appear across our social channels, especially yeah. the Harman Photo. Photo ones. Yeah. yeah over the next few months so yeah there's lots more to come and as Neil mentioned in the next year we've got plans for new products in the Ilford range they're not going to happen really quickly but they will happen yeah um, dark room things and even you know we'd love to give paper a bit more push get more involved in community yeah. things so photo walks yeah. we're looking forward to doing more of them next year yeah, maybe we could do a sunny 16 one that'd be good, be good. that'd be fun um, and then obviously the photo show in March, so we're planning yeah, for that as well. back to March, I'm quite happy about that. I'm so glad, yeah. so glad. Students will be back, I think it'll make a massive difference it being back yeah. in March. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I last year so. was a bit of a weird one anyway, because we had a disjointed day, didn't we, with the Queen's uh, funeral, so we were there yeah. and out and back again, but yeah. yeah. It was messed up So last year. I think that's going to be quite an exciting event this I'm year. the Queen dying, eh? I know, how dare she? Selfish, yeah, it was a very, selfish, selfish Queen. Yeah. So hopefully back in March it'll be a good analog presence yeah. there again. I have got to ask about one specific product because Claire would kill me if I didn't. Um, so you know, I said to Claire, yeah, I'm going to go and see to the guys from Milford. Hopefully, you've some exciting stuff happening. And Claire's one question was, are they bringing the calendars back? Are they? There will be some this year, but they'll still only be the 35 mil, so they'll be the same one as they were previously. You no, know, I, I think Claire. It's basically. Since Claire saw those calendars, she has never shut up about. You mean the, you mean the, the, the big ones we the, used? The, to no, the, the advent calendars. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So yeah, okay. we have we had um, we had a few made last year, so we've got some of those that we'll be doing. Do me a favour, let me know, because if we don't get Claire, is that Claire's year, Christmas present? I think it might they're be. They're awesome, though. They yeah, are awesome. They're not going to be in all markets because there's only limited stock yeah. left of them. They're on the website, though, now, I think, and I'm sure there'll be a, a like a 12 days of Christmas offer, and your normal resellers should have them available. Normal so. resellers. And what about the weirdos we got here? Will they will weirdo resellers have them as well? Are you talking about any in particular? Uh, As he looks at Analog Wonderland, I'm sure. Uh, I'm not sure if they have them actually. They might do. But to be your normal reseller should yeah. do. If not, ilfordphoto.com. They're on there. 
Sounds good, sounds good. Well, I will let you guys get back to, well, it's quite quiet in here at the moment. People are all in the talks at the moment, aren't they? Photo sure. walks on, that's uh, why. They've all gone on the photo walk. The great exodus to the photo walk. Yeah. Well, that's quite nice. It's given us a moment Well, Neil's enjoying the photo walk being on, aren't you? Because you're going to go and he's going to go and do Rachel's. Yeah, I can escape cyanotype. and do a bit of cyanotype printing. Perfect, yeah. Actually, well, I'd better go and find Rachel a cup of tea before yeah, you she goes. Um, She'll get hungry. Lovely <laughs> talking to both of you guys. Hopefully speak to you again soon. Yes. At Harmon's photo. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you might see me in a few years if they let me out again. <laughs> you never see Neil again yet. <laughs> so. Quite. I don't think Michelle's going to bring me anymore. <laughs> I have called another person off of the show floor now, back into my nice quiet space, which is great. It's washing machines, it's kettles, it's, I don't know. Apparently, this is a green room. I'm not quite sure. It's not even green. But I have got Emily here from Sound Studio. Now, this is somebody who multiple people have said, oh, you need to speak to Emily. Now, Emily, you're a bit unusual in this group of people we've got here today because you don't have anything really to do with photography as such, do you, in your business? That, that's true. Um, I'm a traditional silkscreen printer rather than a you know, photography business or a camera business. But um, my passion for photography has led me to merge my printing with analog photography. So yeah, there's a lot of crossovers between the process and you know the nature of the designs and that kind of thing. I know absolutely nothing about traditional silkscreen printing. So please, for my benefit and for listeners, can you just give us a quick overview of what is involved in that process? I'll, I'll try my best. Um, so it kind of works in a similar way to the photography kind of process of it processing a negative and exposing that so you use a printing screen which is kind of a mesh frame with a fine mesh um, and you coat it with a light sensitive emulsion and then using a positive negative kind of transparency like a negative of a photographic negative you kind of expose that onto your printing screen using a light source and that gets your image onto the screen and you use that kind of like a stencil which mm-hmm. you pull the ink through the screen onto, say, a T-shirt or a poster, print a piece of paper, and you you can repeat that process multiple times. And, yeah, that's the process of creating a silkscreen print, kind of um, the basic way of, kind of describing it. It's all going. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you're doing that process for every single piece that you're making? So you can create one printing screen, right. which you can then use a hundred times, a thousand times. Okay, so yeah. once I've created that kind of stencil template, yeah. I can use that to print, you know, 50 t-shirts yeah. of the same design. You know, you can switch out different colors, um, you know, print it onto a t-shirt, print it onto a piece of paper, whatever really. Um, so you've kind of got that template, um, which can be repeated. Yeah. And how did you get into this? Uh, well, I started making band t-shirts for bands that I could never afford their t-shirts. So mm-hmm. I started cutting out stencils, like in a graffiti style. I'd cut out a stencil using a little craft knife, spray paint it and wear it. Mm-hmm. And people were like, that's a really long-winded process. And you wash it once and it washes away. Yeah. So I was like, okay, well, maybe I'll look into printing and kind of... It kind of snowballed. I'm a lover of process, which is what also drew me to photography. Yeah. That whole, you know, taking a picture, developing your negatives, going into the dark room. That level of process is just something I'm really drawn to. And yeah, it snowballed. And so I'm a commercial printer now, 
and the photography has always bubbled away in the background. And But now the photography side of what I love is taking over yeah. and it's coming into all aspects of my life now. So I thought, why not really push um, the photography and the print and merge them together and kind of see what happens. Yeah, because I mean, I... I have so far only had a very cursory chance to look through these stuff, but you've got some fantastic designs. So what kind of things are inspiring the designs from the style of photography? So a lot of vintage graphics, yeah. vintage ephemera. So, you know, I'm a car boot sale digger. So mm -hmm. I'll go in all these old brown boxes from house clearances and you'll find manuals from old cameras, old film boxes, you know, instruction manuals and leaflets that came with Kodak processing or Ilford processing from whenever. And there's these amazing little graphics that are too nice to do nothing with. And mm -hmm. people are giving them away that to people that are selling them the bottom of a cardboard box. They just say, oh, just, just take it. But um, actually there's something really nice about those graphics, mm -hmm. kind of giving them a new lease of life. So yeah, film boxes, old, you know, boxes with flash cubes, that kind of thing. They're just lovely pieces of art in themselves. And I've, tried to capture that and kind of modernize it a little bit yeah um, yeah and in terms of your photography yourself what kind of things are you into shooting what what's when you go out with the camera one what kind of camera are you going out with and what kind of stuff are you shooting uh i like quiet old rundown places i thought you were going to say people then <laughs> <laughs> like people quiet are... old people <laughs> well people are hard for me i find it very hard to photograph people so I kind of do the opposite I find the quietest spots mm -hmm. an old building you know really urban areas so you know back of car parks and for my birthday I went to Barry Island <laughs> because I was like it's, it's, there'll be nobody yeah, there yeah it's quiet it's run down you know there's all these little rubbishy little arcades that are dead quiet I love it mm -hmm. like that's what I take photos of um the wider lens the better mm -hmm. um really kind of almost stupidly wide angle lenses, you know, mirrored on the floor and looking up at buildings. Yeah. That kind of thing. And camera-wise, I'm a bit of a collector of cameras. Mm -hmm. You know, but like a crate digger. Like, yeah. Um, so it's like, if I can find a good bargain, then that's half the fun. Yeah. You know, uh, picking up cameras at car boot sales, you know, raiding the end of eBay, you know, mm -hmm. these like, can you just nab something on eBay and all these job lots of cameras. And I like testing them out, you know, just playing around. But I am a Minolta fan. Okay. Which I don't think is that common, actually. No, I think you're right. I think, I mean, Minolta is, yeah. is a brand of camera that at no point have I owned a Minolta. And, oh no, I tell a lie. I had the Minolta Weathermatic, the big yellow brick. <laughs> I think that's the only Minolta camera I've ever owned. Um, which is weird, because I mean, they were a huge brand. But yeah, they just not. Yeah, well, the, the first camera I ever owned was a Minolta X700, mm -hmm. which I bought in the newspaper in the classifieds from an old vicar who lived around the corner for £30. Mm -hmm. pound. And I didn't know anything about cameras, nothing about it. This was maybe in 2008, 2007. Mm -hmm. And it took me a year or two to actually get it out and really use it and know how, how it worked. And, and I caught the bug. And I started, that's what I took out. And I just go around, I just take my camera everywhere. And from there, it kind of snowballed. That's where my love of photography really came from. Yeah. So yeah, I have this like, you know, this little kind of affiliation with Minolta. Well, I yeah. don't know if that's the right word. This kind of like 
it's very familiar and homely to me. So yeah. I like it. And I have a few now. I've got a few X300, X500, you know, which it's just, they're, they're very similar, but there's something yeah. nice about testing out a different one, you know, it's just yeah. kind of nice. Also, it's nice just to not run with the pack, you know, well, it's yeah. nice to, I mean, you know, I think I've got Nikons on my OM1 and I'm like, yeah, I'm just, I'm one of the mainstream people with those, but yeah, Minolta were making amazing cameras at the same time, but for some, and I know that there are people out there listening who are going, oh no, I've got Minolta, I love, I know that there are people out there who know and appreciate them for what they are. But there's definitely fewer of those people than there are for Nikon and Canon and Olympus. Yeah, I mean, I have to say, I was gifted uh, an OM4. Mm. Ooh. Yeah, um, for one of my friends, and that was my that was just yeah. a, so lovely to shoot yeah. with. You know, it, I just it was just so you know not exclusively yeah. Minolta, but yeah. but there's some like I mean, there's some incredible cameras out there. But yeah. as I say, I'm kind of more. See what you can do with something cheap. I don't. I don't believe you have to have the best camera in the world to take yeah. the best pictures. I think not only that. I think you can spend. Doesn't matter how much money you spend. You, it's not gonna. You. You still have to be the one with the eyes. You still have to be the one with the vision. And you still have to be the one that stands in front of something that's worth looking at as well. So no amount of money is gonna fix those problems. Has any of your photographic work started making it into your prints? Uh, a little bit. Um, I'd like to do it a bit more. Yeah. Um, kind of with the screen printing process, it's limited to the actual aesthetic of what you can create. You can't create faded shadows very easily, which obviously is important in photography. But you can use half tone, which is tiny dots, to create a shadow. Yeah. So what I've been doing is really mega upping the contrast in my photos. Mm -hmm really kind of almost making them black and white, a bit of shading and half-toning that, half-toning my photographs and being able to print them. So it kind of, it again, merges the process. So, and that very much analog, mm -hmm. hands-on kind of process. But I haven't delved too much into that. But yeah, using half-tone, turning my actual f photography prints, half, turning them into a half-tone yeah. dot and kind of recreating that. But uh, that's maybe coming later, I That's think. Uh, yeah. But it sounds like it kind of you'd have to go out very much with the end in mind to kind of shoot for that, I guess, to get the right kind of well tonal range of subject material that would make for good prints. Yeah, that's right. I think. I mean, and and also I can go through my backlog of, of yeah. pictures and kind of think that could work. Some things work, some things don't. You know, it's a bit of trial and error. But again, it's part of the process, and I'm very process driven. Yeah. Um, you know, people say it's not about the end; it's about the journey, or kind of whatever. But I enjoy that. You know, it's it's just, it's very similar. I think yeah. uh, I think most people who are into things like analog photography and you know creative things, it is very much the process is part of the fun. Definitely. Yeah. I know that you are responsible for all the tote bags that are around here today, and said so you've got an amazing selection of stuff on your store, which I'm very much looking forward to going back and having a proper look through. For people who aren't here, um, where should they be going to look at your work to buy your stuff? So, I wish I could say I'm, my website is fantastic and amazing and full <laughs> of stuff, but the best thing to do is have a look on my Instagram, yeah. which the handle is at uh, sans, S-A-N-S dot studio dot UK. All, you know, examples of my prints, some photography, you know, clients I work with, 
it's all on there and my website is uh, www.sams-studio-store.co.uk I think um, all Sounds the links are, but yeah usually I say people check out my Instagram yeah. you can see loads of fun things and a nice mix of the photography side the print side you know people, I work with a lot of businesses in what I do outside of the photography stuff so it's kind of a rounded picture of, of what I do that's probably the best place to have a look that's awesome Emily thank you so much have a great rest of the weekend I'm here now with Dave from Alfie Cameras. Dave, I think you, you did it, you've done it. Not only did you, you got the money, you made the cameras, you sent the cameras out, you did it. How are you feeling? Uh, I'm feeling over the moon <laughs> to actually have cameras out there. I think we've got a handful of cameras left to send out from those few address queries that got to be sorted out on the Kickstarter. Yeah. Uh, we've got a few pre-orders to send out this week, but we're here with cameras from the first batch selling them to the public which is fantastic yeah I mean this is amazing so when we last saw you and spoke to you um, the Alfie Titch which is what we're talking about the half room camera so I last saw you at the photography show last year that now remind me of the time was that when was your Kickstarter Kickstarter started on my birthday 17th of September for anyone who wants to send me a card next year <laughs> next year yeah make yeah. a note in your diary everyone um, and so we had then had a month and we got backed quite early on within the first couple of weeks we just made our backing yeah um, so I set about ordering components and discovering they'd gone obsolete but uh, and that set the whole story yeah. in motion there yeah. and it has been I think it took us the first six months was about actually finalizing the design I thought at Kickstarter the design was ready to yeah, go. Yeah, I remember. I remember this conversation. But yeah. uh, but no, we had, we <laughs> I remember had some a lot of people do. who'd done Kickstarter going. No, so we, we had all that work left to do. So six months of finalising the design, um, another six months of, of getting that those components in and building the stock uh, and building things up. And uh, and yeah, it's been a very very challenging the last two months. I don't think I've been to bed before 11 for a couple of months now. <laughs> I mean, as somebody mostly doesn't go to bed before 1 o'clock, that doesn't sound terribly maverick to me, but, but still. Um, but to go from to when we last spoke to you in September last year, or at the photography show when I last saw you, to now just over a year later, here you are with your product box looking fantastic, packaged up, it's a thing. Like you could go into any camera shop and imagine seeing this there. That's fantastic. Um, so how many of these have you sent out in the last few weeks? So we sent out just over 100 to the Kickstarter backers in the last couple of weeks. So yep. that's, that's been fun, learning how to deal with hundreds of packages in the post office. Yeah. I had a panic attack when my shed literally had thousands of pounds worth of cameras in it and I thought, this, I don't think I'm assured for this value, so I need to start posting them out. But um, it's been a real journey. I've, I'd done it in the past with another product uh, many years ago where I was mail ordering things out, but never on this scale. Yeah. So uh, that's been brilliant. But now I've been having discussions with, with people in the film community. It's about how do I turn a great Kickstarter project yeah. into a great business? Yeah. So that it's, how do we move it forward into that next phase? So Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing, isn't it? Because it is a great product. You've, it must be a proud father moment for you seeing all these go out there and now seeing the reaction to them, for one thing. I've seen a lot of people have got their hands on them now and are delighted with them. 
and starting to see the work people are creating with them. I mean, what have you seen? Yeah, so I've, I've, I've had all aspects. So I've, the beautiful thing for me today is a gentleman comes in early, he talks through the camera, gets excited about it, decides to buy one, goes on the photo walk and really has a great time taking pictures. So excited to see the results from his photo walk. He has a, we have a discussion about little things that he was uh, needed to learn about the camera and, and that was lovely, really enjoyable. And everything from that to, I was on Instagram the other day with one of the backers, Kickstarter backers, a complete novice to analog photography. And I was helping her understand the difference between the lenses and, and giving her a, you know, just start with this, go in auto, pick this lens, get comfortable with it. And then once you're comfortable with that, then explore the other stuff. So that was just really engaging conversations with people who are loving the product uh, and hopefully getting fantastic results and, and having a really good time enjoying using it. Yeah. So now the Kickstarter is pretty much done. You've got a few left to send out still. Yeah. So what is going to be the situation for people going forwards from here, people who didn't back it on Kickstarter? Are, you going to, are people going to be able to just basically go online and buy these going forwards? That is the plan. So we currently, the website says pre-orders. That's simply because I'm having to build a little bit of stock to, to meet the pre-orders. Over the coming month, we'll have a robust amount of stock in place so that literally you'll be able to go online, order, and you'll get it within a number of days, depending on where you live. Yeah. Um, so we'll be shipping direct. Then the next plan is um, we've got probably uh, that'll we'll have stock of sort of 60, 70 cameras that, that we can deal with over the coming months. But going forward, we then have to increase our batch size so that we can really start start talking wholesale market. So your suggestion of well, this is a product that you can now see in a camera shop. That's the aim. Yeah. We want it to be in the camera shops. Yeah. Yeah, there's only so much I can do selling individually. Yeah. If I want to build a business, I've got to be able to support wholesale. Yeah. I mean, and this is what is so exciting about the Alfie Titch, is that this is a fully functioning 35mm film camera with a light meter and automatic exposure and all of these things, and it's all new, and you can go and you can buy, all right, well, pre-order at this cover, a new camera today and you know everyone's waiting going what will Pentax going to do what like you can wait and see what other people do but you can go and buy a new officer quality camera now and I think this is a, this is a big moment in the analog photography growth resurgence whatever you want to call it um, I, I just I think it's fantastic that you've got to this point are you Obviously, you're pleased with the end result. You worked super hard to get to where you are. Um, has it left things for you? Are you, are you already thinking, ah, okay, next problem that I need to solve? Or are you thinking, I'm just quite happy with this for the time being. I'm just going to... So I think for me, the next problem I have to solve is about the business. Yeah. How do I make the business work? But the, the exciting thing for me as well is I, I love learning that process of how to make a business work, but I also have other ideas on the back burner. Yeah. There was an original idea that was too complicated for me to get to market quickly and easily. Yeah. That's still there as a, I want to do that project. Yeah. So I think the, the next product is waiting in the wings. We'll get developing on yeah. it over the coming months and, and maybe come photography show in March, we might have something to talk about there as well. Oh, that's exciting. I mean, I can... I can only imagine how the, I mean, I know that your background is in this kind of work already, but the experience of going through this and also of 
really fully plugging into the photographic community as you've gone through it and all of the people and the incredible varied expertise in different fields. I mean, it, you must just get ideas and thoughts popping into your head and also thinking, oh, these things that maybe I thought couldn't be done could be done because somebody said this thing here or it's a, there's a lot of cross-pollination of ideas within this field. There is, I think, especially within the UK community, there's this real support network almost. Yeah. People who are trying to do similar things to you and they've just got a passion and a love for it and they're from different backgrounds. Some are really into the technology, some are really into the business building. And I'm having conversations today about, oh, have you thought about how you can grow the business in this way? Or have you thought about these, these pro product ideas you could be doing? And they're all really engaging conversations with a great bunch of people. It's just a melting pot of, of passion around analog photography. Yeah. yeah, well, Dave, I'm just so pleased to see these here. I think they're fantastic. Once again, just huge congratulations on doing a difficult thing very well through to completion. And I'm just excited to see the brand grow. I'm excited to go into my local camera shop and see Alfie cameras on the window. When I see that happen, that is going to be a big day for me. It's going to be, and I hope it's soon. But congratulations, enjoy the rest of the show. Thanks very much. It's not all just go, go, go on the show floor though. At the end of day one, I'm here at what's probably the premier party house in Nottingham with some of the high flyers from the analog spotlight. Sat at the table here with me, the wonderful, one half of the host of the 316 uh. podcast, Rachel Bruce and Wright, and Steve Lloyd of Chroma Cameras who they're just about awake. <laughs> they're just about awake still. Um, end of day one, you've, you've both had food and tea and recovered slightly from your adventures. Um, Steve, how has today been for you? It's actually been really good. Lean further forward. Come on, man. Um, yes, it was really good. It was, um, I, I didn't know what to expect, how busy it would be, uh, and we were hammered uh, all morning. It was really good. <laughs> Not in a drunk sense. <laughs> it was a very early start. But, um, You're expecting it to be quiet, so you turned up racked <laughs> It's how I get through the day, you know. Um, no, it was really, really good. I met, and it was quite nice to meet um, people who are new and people who I hadn't met before. So we've had a, a real mix of photographers in and people who sort of didn't know large format, didn't know medium format, um, and obviously old faces who we've met a lot. Um, so, yeah, it's really good. I have to say, when I turned up and saw your table, what? So we've seen your stuff over the years. Um, obviously, you started off with you know four by five stuff. You've actually just been doing a bit of TLC for my carbon adventure, um, and then that sort of gradually expanded out. You've done more and more bits and pieces. It was really quite stunning to look at the table and just see the range of stuff that you had available for people to buy and take away with them. Then so. Talk us through some of the Chroma line of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Chroma stuff. Chroma stuff. What a tagline. <laughs> um, well, with the table, I had it set up in formats, really. So at one end, I've got my smallest, which is the 35mm baby cube pinhole. So mm -hmm. that does 52 shots on a roll. It's a 24mm square frame pinhole camera. You can stick it in your pocket, experiment with it, have fun with it. 
um, then moving up through the cube pan, which is the. Hang on, how much is the thirty-five mil? Um, on on my website they are one twenty. One twenty, a so bargain. A bargain at twice the price. Um, if you'd like to pay twice the price. <laughs> uh, and then moving up, I've got the cube pan, which is my panoramic thirty-five mil. So that takes um, it shoots half frame, full frame, and X pan, uh, twenty-four by sixty-five format. And that went down really well. Actually, I, I love the cube pan. I've just released or just announced an updated version. So the show is the first time I've, I've shown it to anybody. It's got a new top plate design. It uses a traditional um, sprung ratchet wind. Um, and lots of people really like that. that that's um, 350 with a lens cone of your choice, mm -hmm. a lens board. So you would supply the lens. And are these using large format lenses or are these M the Mamiya lenses? Both. Both. So okay. as well as Mamiya press lenses and large format, so from 47mm up to, generally say about a 180, mm -hmm. is, otherwise you're getting a really long code, it becomes a little bit unbalanced. Um, I've also now added a pinhole lens board, so again, a lens cone, so you can use straight away, so you can do panoramic pinholes. And I've also started doing a Holger lens version so it takes the lens off a of Holger 120 mm -hmm. um, and uses that so you can do panoramics with that if you, you like the Holger effect awesome. so there's there's a lot of options on the cube pan it, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's gone down really well and mm -hmm. uh, then moving up across the medium format stuff so as well as my 6.9 and 6.12 which I've had for a little while so the 6x9 and 6x12 format uh, medium format cameras I've now got the 6.17 as well which is 6 by 17 so all three of those are unique and if they've got a removable film back so um, for example 617 you only get four shots to a roll and every other 617 camera that isn't a field camera once you've loaded your film you can't refocus on a, a ground glass you it's all zone focused mm -hmm. so because your film is loaded and that's like an SLR you, it, whereas I wanted to make something a bit more unique so it lets you have more control so with the 617 you can actually remove the whole film back like a large format camera yeah. and drop a ground glass in. So mid-roll you can refocus and compose and you can have multiple backs. So you could have black and white in one back, colour in another. Yeah. And you can change lenses mid-roll as well. So that is the same again. So that, that has lens coverage generally because uh, you, you need larger coverage on those lenses. They're a 5x7 mm -hmm. lens. So you'd have 75mm uh, as the widest that'll do yeah. that up to. I've made a few 300mm lens cones things. So... It makes so much sense, doesn't it? Because you said you get four shots in the roll of film. You want to be able to make sure yeah. that those shots are right. You want it to count, don't you? Yeah. That's, that's the thing. And, and to focus seems quite important. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I love, I mean, my other cameras, the, the Cube Pan is zone focus. Mm. And uh, I do actually offer the original 6.9 and 6.12 are both zone focus cameras. Mm -hmm. But I, I created the advanced models of the two of those in 6.17 to have this dropping ground glass. Mm -hmm. It just gives you that little bit more control between frames and you know, films not cheap, is it? So we want to make it work. We want yeah. to make the get shot the best shots. And I actually really like the six seventeen. It's not a format I'd, I'd used before, mm -hmm. I'd not shot it before and when I, I, I built it. It's actually really good. <laughs> the mm -hmm. the format it's completely unique, the really wide panoramic. Um whereas like, you know, your your X pan, your your Dev McHugh pan is is still a, a narrower panoramic than a 617, so it gives a real unique look. Nothing else yeah. looks like that. I've also today brought along a new graph lock back, so that basically allows you to take the film back off a 617 and mount it onto a 4x5 camera. <laughs> so it's a graph lock mount 617 then. 
so it's completely flat as ever with all my cameras it does they do a lot of things mm -hmm. um i've also just for the show today i've made four complete systems system mm -hmm. cameras you just knocked this up at the show yeah, yeah, I just did it this morning. I was just, you know, I wasn't busy. I was waiting for you to come out and load the car. Um, sitting there outside Rachel's at five o'clock in the morning. Um, I just make another camera. Yeah, I just knock it up in the car. So I um, I sourced various different lenses. I've got a 65mm, a 75mm, an 80mm and a 90mm. So mm. all sort of nice like, focal lengths for small cameras. And I designed, um, it's like a Hasselblad SWC, so it's a real compact body. Yeah, body. yeah. So can, so can you describe, because I've seen these Hasselblad SWCs mm -hmm. before now, but I think yeah. that they are probably a camera design that a lot of people won't be yeah. familiar with, because it's so bare bones. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the obviously Hasselblad, most, a lot of people have seen the 500C, which is their kind of pop-up mirror on the, their um, ground glass on the top, so you focus... Like an SLR, you're looking through the lens and you focus. But Hasselblad also made this, uh, it's called the Super Wide Camera, SWC, and that was a fixed body of lens. So it was 38mm lens um, mounted to a Hasselblad body, basically a shortened 500C body mm -hmm. with, with a, a film holder on the back. So I've, I've used one a couple of times, a friend of mine's got one, and he sort of loaded two minutes. They're brilliant for what they are because they are completely stripped down. It's literally a very small body in the case of Hasselblad they have the it, it cocks the shutter on the lens it's got a, a really wide lens and it's got a 6x6 six six film back and that's that's it yeah and there's no there's no um, viewfind there's no. no you know there's no reflex action no no because it's such a slim body yeah. there's no there's no mirror in it so you basically you come, it has a viewfinder um, and you would generally zone focus again a 38mm lens yeah pretty much everything's Lots in focus bit, yeah. but you could remove the back and Hasselblad did make um, a ground glass back but I don't know how easy they are to get hold of. Most of them don't seem to have them. Mm -hmm. I don't think it was a standard part that came with it. So I love the SWC for what it is. It's very compact. So then I decided, I designed my own um, about 18 months ago. I made one for myself, um, but I never released it. It was, I had other projects on the go then. It just mm. didn't happen, funnily enough. So I decided before the show, I wanted to offer a full camera set up because lots of people love the cameras and then they go oh, okay I've got to source a lens I've got to source that so I sourced the lenses and I've I, they use a, um, a roll film back off a of Kiev yeah. camera it's a Ukrainian camera which is basically commonly referred to as a Hasselbladsky because mm -hmm. it, it's it's a it's a a reproduction of a Hasselblad 500 basically yeah. um, but made in a an ammunitions factory in Ukraine <laughs> which is what it was um, so I I've used I had a, Hass a, a Kiev 88 camera which at its own shutter mm -hmm. quality so i had the back so that was when i sort of merged the back with lenses and i designed this body in the middle so the body has a lens mount on the front with a focusing helicoid like my other cameras have and then it has the film back on the back and yeah. i've made a, a, a clip-on magnetic ground glass as well so um so these full setups are they're as light as they can be the, the back the film back is the weighting and i think they weigh about 400 grams maybe 500 they're not massively heavy but they feel quite nice in the hand they're sort of mm -hmm. quite substantial in that way but um i've got my own that i've got a 47 mil lens on mine and i love it it's just dead small and not I'm a, I'm a lazy photographer i've said that all day today to people i like not carrying loads of gear so i made that so yeah so they, they went down really well um lots of people like the handling of them and the size so it, it might be something i look to release even if 
you would then supply your own back and lens. The backs are available if you, you know, second-hand camera shops will do them on eBay and the likes of that. You can yeah. get Kiev backs relatively easily. It, it is. I do love the fact that you have just got these kits here, though. And, mm. then, and I've mentioned to you about this. You've presented them really nicely as well. Mm. You get these kits with the back and the body, such as is, mm -hmm. and the lens um, in this nice case. Mm -hmm. um, and there was, well, there's some other bits in the case as well. Yeah, there's, so, a, there's the ground glass back as well. Yeah. And then I've also designed um, a cold shoe mount. So because I'm with the back in place, um, if you put a, a viewfinder in the cold shoe on the top, mm -hmm. it's not that easy to use because it's your, your face is stepped back because of the film back. Mm -hmm. So I designed a little a extension bar, a little angled bar, for a, a cold shoe, so that's included in there, and also a frame finder. So, I make I make frame finders from other cameras. It's basically a, it's a it's a, a composition aid. It's there's no optics in it. It, yeah. ma it matches the the field of view of the particular lens that's mounted. Um, so that's in there, and they also come with a a, um, a tripod mounted neck strap, which I make. So, mm. um, got screws into the tripod mount on the base, and you can put a put a tripod into that. And you can attach a neck strap, so they come with a leather neck strap as well. Yeah. So it's it's a full it's a full setup. Basically, you can go and load film in the back and go and use. Yeah. So, how many of these kits have you still got at the moment? As of now, I've got three left. So one of them went um, early this afternoon. Though I had a I had one that I took the lens off a a Mamiya C three thirty TLR camera, mm -hmm. which is basically a large format lens and a, and a second viewing lens. So that was an eighty mil two point eight. So I, I made a body to, to mount that. So that one went today. So I've still got a, a 65, 75 and 90 mil set up. So I mean, I think, like I said, these really caught my attention. I think if you are somebody who is perhaps at the moment thinking, oh, I'd like to buy a medium format, especially if you're thinking I'd like to buy a six by six medium format camera and you're looking at the choices and going, these seem expensive and quite old. Yeah. Um, I think this is a really great alternative to look at because for less money than pretty much anything else you can yeah. buy out there, um, you can buy something that's going to be much more reliable, essentially. Mm -hmm. um, and, and also, if anything does go wrong, none of the parts are that bad to replace. No. I, I recently bought a Bronica S2, yeah. which is about as cheap as you can buy yeah. a 6x6 interchangeable back camera. And it's great, and I'm just sort of waiting for it to yeah. explode into pieces. Yeah, they're quite complex, the, the S2s, aren't yeah. they? The Do you have an S2 already? No, I got, I got ETRSI, oh, is the one I was the 645. The S2's got the sliding mirror, hasn't it? So it comes, it doesn't fold like a traditional mirror, it kind of slides up out the way. Normal mirrors hinge, but I think the S2 sort of makes the body slightly more compact, it still weighs about. Yeah, four cars weight. Yes, um, it slides the mirror sort of up and backwards slightly, so it adds complexity in the mechanics. Basically, yeah, it's <laughs> it's not a straightforward design, and mm. I took it to London at Londinium Cameras mm. um, when I first got it because um, the focusing was just slightly off. I was right. like focusing, it wasn't quite there, and he sorted that out for me. It's because uh, the some of the rubber in where yeah. the you know, it was had perished and he got all that sorted, but he did basically say. If you have any other problems with this, never come back. Never come back <laughs> to the point where um, we we I wound it on to, you know, to fire the shutter, yeah. and he, he <laughs> you have to wind it and wind it and wind it, right. and then wind it once more. Just <laughs> crunch, <laughs> and he said, "I'm never doing that." <laughs> um, yeah. So, but like I said, but that was and is 
one of, if not the cheapest, you know, unless you're looking at, as you said, the Kievs, yeah. the cheapest interchangeable back, six mm-hmm. by six. And you could quite easily spend £300 on that mm-hmm. and end up with a lump of camera that you can't yeah. use. Yeah. So um, I think that these kits, I, I hope you make more of them mm-hmm. because I think it's something that a lot of people are at risk of spending a lot of money on and buying disappointment with in yeah. terms of buying other used cameras. Yeah, um, yeah definitely. I mean, I, I've, um, I'm, I'm always sort of chatting with Chris, who's the manager of Real Camera in Liverpool. Mm-hmm. So he's stopped some of my cameras before now in the Liverpool and Manchester stores. They've taken some snapshots and some pinholes and things. So he often gets large format lenses come in and less people buy them more people in the camera shops are looking at 35 mil or yeah. possibly medium format but there's a lot of 35 mil shooters basically so he often gives me a shout and goes well I've got these couple of lenses in the interested so it's something I probably could carry on doing so it's interesting to see for the show this weekend how how they're regarded really as a, as a set of is it is it useful you know yeah. is, is it something that people and, and I've had really good feedback today lots of people have liked the the handling of it and the, the balance of it and the simplicity really mm-hmm. because it sort of strips back every everything else it's, it's literally a lens and a film back and, a, and a, a body in the middle it's as simple as i can make it yeah there's not there's like i say there's less to go wrong it's it's very straightforward so yeah i mean it's they've certainly gone down well it's something i like to do my only challenge is obviously sourcing all the lenses myself and funding them that's i'm a small business and it's trying to it's like all my cameras are trying to build up stock yeah. you know, on what's going to sell. So these are good because I know these focal lengths are, for me, are really good for handheld focal lengths. Mm. They're quite straightforward. They're easy to judge. They're not longer lenses that are quite hard to judge on zone focusing. If you know, you're trying to focus a 150mm lens, it's quite difficult to judge where you're focusing. But on a wider lens, it's much easier. You've got mm. much more scope for focus. So... Yeah, I'm, I'm really happy with them and, and the set, I'm glad I set up so I, I sort of spent a bit of time sort of putting together what is a useful components for that mm-hmm. camera and, and the cases I really like, the, they work nicely as a yeah. as a, a protective case and you know, yeah. you can carry it in that if you want or not, it's it's just keep it together. So it looks great. Cheers. Uh, um, on the subject of lenses, yep. you also had your lens today? I do, I've got yeah. my double glass lens. Well, I, so. don't know. I don't think you've spoken about this in the podcast. Oh, I don't think Did I have maybe? actually. At least no. not since it came out. We maybe we talked. Yeah, about we it talked about it before. I think so I was talking about that. Um, yeah. So um, Jason Lane is a guy I've I've known for a few years now, and he uh, I originally met him. He coated he coated glass plates, so he does dry plates, um, makes the plates. So he started you know, in his basement doing that. He, he was in New Hampshire then, and but his problem with dry plates is that no one was making a new dry plate holder. So lots of photographers were buying his plates. And either using legacy holders that likely can fall apart, or they were saying, that's great, I love the plates, but have you got any holders? And he didn't make them. So in 2019, um, for Emulsive kind of put us together and thought we might be able to work together. So I, I designed a new double dry plate holder and we did a Kickstarter then and funded um, injection molding holders. So we, we've, since then we've been selling four, five, five, seven, eight, ten play holders and they're great they go they, they they go through freestyle and through our website and that so that's good but jason is a, a lens designer by trade that's his, his that's his day job sort of thing so um he's a really bad influence on me because he comes with lots of lenses <laughs> which i really like so um i always had the which is what we talked about last time i always had this idea of making a new 
35 mil point and shoot with a lens and shutter using the the cube the baby cube body so it'll be 24 mil square frame so jason designed the lens to suit that i wanted a wide angle lens um so it wasn't a, a big lens on the on the body uh, and it we, we settled on this 24 millimeter focal length and it's uh, f11 fixed aperture so um he designed the, the elements and they, they were machined for us for the, the lens but it's got two glass elements mm -hmm. um, so they're coated glass elements as well and he designed them great and he sent me over um, about half a dozen of the first elements made so to test them out I, I designed a body to mount them onto my digital uh, I've got a Sony a7 mm -hmm. it was just easier to test on digital camera than shoot film and testing and all that and then when I mounted it on the Sony, shot full frame, sort of full 24 by 36. I was like, this is amazing. We've got to make this as a standalone lens. It's, I still want to put it in a camera, but to be able to offer it as a, a lens in its own right would be brilliant. So me and Jason and Max, uh, who's an optical engineer that works with Jason, uh, came up with this design. So I wanted it to be as small as possible. So the, we've ended up with the double glass lens, which is a, a machined aluminium body, uh, anodized black with the 24mm f11 optics in it and it's M39, L39 mount. So mm -hmm. it'll mount on any any rangefinder that has a thread mount. So like a two, three, L, um, all the Fed and Zorky rangefinders use M39. You can mount it on most of the M series Leica with a, an M, M39 to M adapter. Um, there's a couple of Ms that it won't mount on because of where the, the release button is on them. I think it's the M2 and the M6 it won't mount on because like I changed the button placement so it's a bit tight um, and it also works on any digital mirrorless as well you can buy adapters from Amazon whatever and the double glass lens I love it it's um, it's the most simple stripped back lens um, that it's fixed focus fixed aperture so mm -hmm. basically everything is in focus from uh, about a meter to infinity so and what I like doing as well is because it's thread mount you can actually unscrew it in the adapter and bring the focus closer yeah. sort of macro um, and it's just a real like it weighs about 16 grams 20 grams something like that and, and it, but it's aluminium body so it's a nice solid feeling lens yeah uh, i'm really proud of that so we've we've been selling that since when did we launch it last november i think the first ones came yeah they're 120 normally that comes with a, a matching um a threaded metal lens lens um Hood. cap <laughs> couldn't think uh, then uh, it's a 49 mil thread on yeah. the front of the lens you can take filters so it's got a, a, a laser engraved lens cap and a matching rear cap as well and in the box so, yeah, so i've got i've got um an m39 oh. mount lens that i need to give back to simon forster tomorrow oh, <laughs> oh you need to swap it which, which i'm thinking oh, i have a i have a like a three which some yeah. lovely lovely person gave to me i can't remember her name off the top of my head um <laughs> But does currently have a big hole in front of it. Well, there you go. You need to fill that I gap. I have to investigate, yeah. So, yeah. So, I've got them with me today. Uh, this weekend, they're, they're available straight away. Yeah. Um, what else? I've got the snapshot with me today at the weekend as well, which is my 4x5, my handheld 4x5 yeah. camera. I've been making the snapshot for about three years now. I've sort of been developing that. So, the, the snapshot multi, as it's called now, has got... Uh, it's a standard bellows design, like a field camera, but it's handheld. And you put in different length spacer bars for different lenses. So um, you can mount down to a 65mm lens with the bellows up to, or 
sorts, but up to sort of 210 really. That's probably the best. Um, but the multi actually has a removable front so that the whole bellows can be removed um, and the front plate is swapped with a fixed cone. So you can, if you want to strip it down completely, you can have a fixed cone on it, which is a bit lighter than the bellows mm -hmm. and more compact. And, you know, so you can make that just a smaller unit really to use that. Um, that that's gone down well today as well. Lots of interest in that because it's just that bit different really. It's yeah. It's not a traditional. I'm, it doesn't help that I'm, I'm my table's next to Intrepid, so it's uh, <laughs> all, all those field cameras, you know. Yeah, so uh, so last. Who's year. one? Damn, it's so you, last. I mean, hundred years. You don't make any field cameras anymore. No, do you? no. Um, although having seen two carbons today, I started thinking maybe I should. Really, Is somebody else bring a carbon here. Well, Simon's got his here, so Simon of Forster. He he, he's got his pro orange carbon. His pro orange, yeah. So I don't even own a carbon. I remember someone approached me after I'd stopped making them and sort of really, really wanted one, so I sold them mine. So I don't have a carbon myself, so everyone else has them. You should, they're really nice. I know, yeah, I, I heard I'd that. recommend yeah. it. So you, you, have, num you have number one. Yeah. I have number one. That's good to know. <laughs> so you have number one. I, I have number one. 65 carbons in the end, so it's quite a short run, that one. Yeah. So I only stopped because post-COVID, the carbon prices went really ridiculous, and it was a case of I couldn't put that kind of price up on the camera. Yeah. They kind of quadrupled in price just the materials sort of overnight i was like that's not realistic so and that was from a an offshore machining company getting them from the uk which just not even it's not even happening the cost of them so i'd like to reintroduce them. i've had a few ideas obviously as ever <laughs> as improvements um i have been working on a monorail body for the snapshot so mm -hmm. you basically take the snapshot body which is essentially the back off a of carbon um and i've got a, a compact monorail accessory so it it gives you rear which gives you rear swing shift and then front swing shift tilt and rise on it as well but it, it weighs not much at all it's much yeah. more compact it's not like a big monorail it's, it's it uses um, a rail system so you can add more rails in to make it as long as you like you know i can make bellows of length that's something i've been working on as a way of still offering a a, a field style camera mm -hmm. so some people want that you get more the snapshot doesn't have movements like that so you don't have, you don't have uh, tilt and swing so um i've got that with me if you don't have a class tomorrow it's um yeah that, that's something that might work it's uh i don't know or maybe i'll just start making the carbon again i don't know <laughs> i do quite miss the carbon although the the, the thing is the four by fours they're never the simplest builds though are no they? it's the bellows bellows are a killer it's mm. um I've, the the last carbons about about the last 15 or 20 started getting um keith over a camera bellows in birmingham to make the bellows for me because mm -hmm. i was done him making bellows yeah. um i still make the bellows for the snapshot they're shorter bellows but the the field cameras are much larger because i used to be in a workshop with a larger laser cutter because they they use laser cut ribs and skin because i'm not in that workshop anymore i didn't have access to the big laser so it was harder to make the bellows in that size so gave it to Keith and said so he could make them mm -hmm. so um that's something I'd probably look to do again and just outsource that uh, as a as a cost in the camera um but that, they're the hardest because I remember when I did I think I've made what have I done I must have made with the snapshots I've probably made nearly 300 sets of bellows with the the carbon and the original yeah. advance and um I'm still doing it. You know, yeah, yeah. It's, it's hard work making that many bellows. And that's the camera itself, you can kind of improve and change. And I made a few design changes sort of later on in the carbon, a few tweaks on it. Mm. Um, nothing major, it's still the basic camera. So that's not as bad. 
but it was just the bellows. It's, it's quite hard, yeah. and then they get more expensive as well then when you try and outsource yeah. them. So I'm always keen to keep the cost down on all the cameras. I want to make them affordable. I want people to be able to get into large format or medium mm. format. I don't, I don't want cost to be a barrier where possible. You know, that's the plan. Well, it has to be said that even without the 4x5 field cameras in the range, you do have just a spectacular array of choices now. I, I think anybody who hasn't been to your website in a while... <laughs> should go because yeah. you've got a lot of stuff and as I said yeah. you've got a lot of stuff that people can just go on there and buy yeah um, and uh, there's always stuff there which is just too tempting too tempting <laughs> um, uh, but it's great and I, I think the thing of the one that really caught my eye was the um, rhyme what the thing is called which again one? the the Kits with the oh the the I, do you know what it hasn't even got a name. I'm glad that I it's, that makes me feel better. I can't believe you can't remember the name. <laughs> That's terrible. I haven't given it one. Um, yes, the six six SWC style. I don't know what the name really, but the super wonderful camera. Yeah, the, the super white chroma. The super white chroma. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I could do a competition. That's good yeah. thinking, that Rachel. I like that. <laughs> um, if it's something that I do take forward, then obviously you'll think of a name. Yeah. Like it but, um, Marketing genius, yeah, Steve Lloyd. <laughs> I haven't named my kids yet. They're still figuring it out. So <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure yet. <laughs> so yeah, I think I'm glad you like that. It's um, I really like the one. I built one for myself, as I say, and it was it's cool. It's just a nice little camera that gives you big negative still on medium format. So yeah, that's good. Glad you went down well. On the subject of the making stuff, whilst we've been chatting, <laughs> little busy beaver Rachel is sat here. Sweatshop. <laughs> yeah, in, in the little vintage sweatshop yeah. um, making Pretty your cyanotype kits right Rach? that's right yeah so um, I uh, I t- I'd sold out by about half past 11 of the kits uh, obviously it's a great thing it's nice to um, have lots of people taking away the kits and going to use them uh, but it did leave me in a little bit of a quandary because I had I spent the whole of Friday basically putting all the uh, the kits uh, sorry, all the pieces for the kits together, basically making all the bits for them, but had no time to actually assemble. So I thought, I'll bring them all with me. Smart move. I will try and take a lunch break, which I had factored in, and uh, it didn't work out that way. So uh, hence, it is now half past ten at night uh, on Saturday, and uh, after the show, and I am assembling uh, a new batch of kits <laughs> so that I have some uh, to sell tomorrow, which will be grand. So I've got my workbooks, obviously. Uh, my kits are what I'm uh, currently putting together. And yeah, it's been uh, been a great a great day. I'm absolutely exhausted, as you can probably tell. Um, Steve and I uh, travelled down together. He drove us down from uh, from Liverpool, so it was a super early start, uh, about mm. half half four or what have you this morning, mm. and then straight into a full day. Um, it's like Steve said, it's been great to see so many lovely familiar faces and lots of new ones as well. So having lots of interesting, fun uh, conversations um, where I've had you know. Uh, possibly time to breathe in between uh, has been has been good and uh, been running lots of workshops and little masterclasses and things today in cyanotype um, the other thing that I found has been so nice is that I've had a lot of people come up to me today and just basically show me the workbook that they're using or talk to me about like how it's really helped them or you know just saying gosh this is like really helped me feel like I'm going to get back in the dark room because they're shooting and they're processing, but they might not be printing. And this is kind of giving them a, a nudge to do that. So 
That's been lovely. I I make these things a bit like Steve, right? In that we make these things and we send them out into the world and it's like, go do your thing. And we don't ever really know how they're being used or like what people are creating with them. So that's always so nice. If you've got one of our kits or one of my kits or one of my workbooks, I'm really always really interested to know how people use them and make them work for them as well because I think as a you know as a community we're all pretty creative and inventive about the ways that we you know we use these tools and uh, it's fascinating to see how that works so like with your camera Steve mm-hmm. you know you don't know how people go and use them you you mm-hmm. think this is what you're building it mm-hmm. for and then people bring their own stuff to that so that's been really great really enjoyed it that's awesome and um have you got enough energy left for tomorrow? <laughs> <laughs> now that is a big question. Um, so, well, you see, we went to the to the um, off license and we picked up a bag, of, <laughs> a box of um, tea bags, and we've got some milk. And uh, Graham fairly skipped home with uh, with those. Yeah. So there are there are cups of tea. Um, so far I've managed to make it halfway through a mug uh, that's been heated up twice um, because obviously I'm busy working putting kits together This, uh, yeah. but yes, I will make sure I get some sleep and I'm looking forward to tomorrow so yeah. it's going to be great it's going to be good, hopefully we'll have another nice sunny day and we will talk to more people yes. tomorrow let's get back to this crazy party house Woo-hoo! more tea and biscuits anyone Excellent. give me those cookies <laughs>